yourself is the best I'm blessed to know that lust is a test I used to be the victim, now I'm just envisioning I'm knowing this is... I'm Susie Landolfi, and welcome to Be Crazy Well. Now, why would a therapist say that? Because we all have mental health struggles, even therapists. The good news is, we have so much more information about how we can be crazy well. On my podcast, we don't focus on what's wrong with us. We want to know what happened to us. We're going to explore how trauma affected us, both negatively and positively. That's right. I said positively. It's called post-traumatic growth, and it's a real thing. Be Crazy Well will share mental health wellness practices, the newest mental health research, and most importantly, how we all get to create the person we deserve to be and the life we deserve to live. So join the mental health evolution and be crazy well. To see within is to know yourself. Hi, it's Susie here. And I want to read you something. And first of all, welcome to Be Crazy Well. Obviously, some people think that being crazy is not a good idea. I'd rather think that it's very subjective so that my crazy and my crazy well isn't the same as yours. That's actually what we're going to talk about uh, today. So uh, I want to read you something first. And it says, uh, this is by the Tao uh, Ching, the Tao Ching, and uh, this is the English version by Stephen Mitchell. And it says here, uh, the ancient masters didn't try to educate the people, but kindly taught them to not know. Seems strange, doesn't it? Usually you want to educate people to know. Then he goes on to say, when they think that they know the answers, people are difficult to guide. When they know that they don't know, people can find their own way. You know, I don't know about you, uh, I'm going to admit that I am definitely struggling with a dis-ease called know-it-allism. I know there's a lot of isms in the world. Uh, this is one of the worst. And I was trained to be a know-it-all. And I don't mean that necessarily by... Um, you know, my training as a therapist or my education or anything like that. I actually realized that I was taught to be a know-it-all as a child. What I mean by that is when my adults in my life struggled and didn't do what was safe for me and for them, I had to figure it out. I had to be the adult. And I'm talking six, nine, 10, 12, 15, 17, and it just continued on until I actually brought, was brought to my knees and realized that I really didn't know what I thought I knew. And it's not that I didn't know anything. It's just that there were huge gaps in my knowing. The other thing that I had a problem with was wanting to know uh, other things because I thought I knew them. And thinking that I knew something eased my anxiety and helped me create safety, at least I thought. 
And sometimes it really did. I mean, I really was that kid that could figure a lot of things out and take care of a lot of people and be the leader. And yet there were these huge crevasses of me not knowing. And instead of me admitting it and being able to go to a safe adult and say, I don't know what to do or whatever, I had to pretend that I knew. I had to take a leap. I had to lie. I had to figure it out on my own without the support of anybody else that had been through it and maybe had some advice, some experience to to share with me. And so what I really wanted to share with you today is the struggle that I'm having as a therapist. So I work at a treatment center a couple of days a week, and I do some groups. And I used to be the clinical director of this uh, very wonderful, uh, I would say, out-of-the-box, out-of-the-room type of treatment program for people who struggled with the use of drugs and alcohol and with mental health issues. Then I left and I went to help create the Warrior Path and worked at Boulder Crest. When I came back four years later, uh, the treatment center that I had been the, the uh, clinical director of was still growing. And, and even though there was lots of loss when the fire went through Malibu, they were still growing. And it was created by two young men from Canada. Now, why do I say that? Because culture matters. Context matters. What you grew up in matters. So I, um, I went back in and started to do some groups. And one of the things that I noticed was something that not just this particular treatment program uh, does, but many, even many retreats and programs for veterans and for their families. And what it is, is this kind of shortcut of explaining what the clinicians know or the staff know about a certain resident and what they keep giving and what the information is that they keep sharing is the diagnosis, the symptoms and the diagnosis of that person. Now, we get a little information about their childhood. We get some information about what happened to them just before they came into treatment or why they came into treatment. But mostly we spend a lot of time on the diagnosis and what medication we're giving them. We do talk about their strengths. We talk a little bit about how they're improving. And then we also talk a lot about our fear of how they're could either relapse. And so we start to try to control their environment for fear that they won't know how to make a decision. They won't know how to uh, gain more information and create the life they deserve. And when I read that, that um, quote in there about if you don't keep educating people all the time, they'll want to know. They'll want to know how to figure it out. And that's actually my story. Once I let go of my know-it-allism, I actually started to know things. And here's what I know now. I don't know that much. And I don't know that much about other people until I know their story. So I know that one person's diagnosis can sound the same, same words, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, addiction, you name them all in the DSM. And yet 
your diagnosis will not be the same as mine. Same title, maybe some similar symptoms, but there's so much more that we deserve to know about each other. And it's what happened to us that we also get to know and in what context. You know, when we started to use the definition of PTSD, which is actually fairly recent uh, in terms of modern psychology, uh, we tend to then believe that, and I hear this all the time, I work with hundreds, if not thousands of veterans, and when they are given a diagnosis, uh, that's a bond for them sometimes. And I think it's great that they understand that something happened to them and now they deserve to heal. At the same time, their stories can be completely different. The context is completely different. Even the severity of the symptoms are different. And not only that, the worst part is the treatment might be 100% different. This is where breast cancer has really helped us so much. We now know, and you'll see commercials all the time uh, about treatment of breast cancer, where we need to know what's going on inside of that woman in order to pick the individualized treatment. Now, say that again, the individualized treatment, because that body of that woman is different than any other body in so many ways how it was nurtured physically and emotionally, uh, anything about its genes, about the context of what it lived in, uh, uh, the food, you name it, uh, what we think and feel. So what I struggle with is I struggle with the idea that I can just give you a diagnosis and somehow that's going to give you an answer. Actually, what it does is it should inspire more questions. What happened to you? Do you really have anxiety or did you live with someone who was very anxious? You know, we do learn how to speak and, and we learn how to eat with a fork. And we learn how to poop in a toilet by watching other people, by living and being trained with other humans. What makes us think that, well, we could also learn how to be anxious and how to be depressed without actually having it just because we live with someone. And what about the PTSD that you can have from childhood that you bring into the military? And then it helps you be a great warrior, right? Like situational awareness. The idea that I had to make sure that I knew when my dad was home and I had to watch to see if he was going to hug me or hit me. That's situational awareness. I'm looking for the threat if there is a threat. And then what are my options? So if you're doing that at home as a child, oh my God, you're way ahead of the game on the battlefield because you have that situational awareness already. Then when you come home, that wonderful superpower that you had downrange is now a problem and a symptom of your diagnosis at home. Wait a minute. It was helpful as a child. Then it was really helpful downrange. And now it's not when I come back. So what's changed? What changed was the environment. So I'm not here and I don't try to get uh, everybody's symptoms to uh, dissipate. I do understand that I want to be in charge of the level of severity of my symptoms so that when 
I was telling someone this the other day. So when my OCD kicks in, I now have, have excuse me, I now have it from mild uh, to moderate. And at one time it was severe. And of course that did come from childhood as well. And the reason why I like it mild to moderate is people love to invite me to dinner because they know I'm going to help clean up the kitchen. I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. And I joke about it. And yet I do love it. I do love that I can be organized, that I can build a nest and keep it orderly and keep it okay. What I didn't like was when it managed me instead of me managing it. So I'm, I'm really concerned about how we look at a diagnosis and then we look in a book and see the symptoms and we think that ours would be the same as the person next to me that also has that same diagnosis. It's not, it can't be, and worse, the treatment can't be the same. So why bring all this up? I bring this up because the one size fits all uh, treatment and diagnose and uh, treatment and care of people um, is not helpful. And we know that oftentimes in the medical model where someone comes in with an infection and we give them the same thing we've given hundreds of people. And sometimes it works and a lot of times it doesn't. So then we have to ask why, and then we have to get curious. And then we have to make sure that we come up with a treatment that sits this, uh, fits the situation. So here's what I'm suggesting. What if the person who you love and live with, who may be diagnosed with PTSD or yourself, what if you went back and took a look at all the things that happened to you that could create some of those symptoms? And what if you looked at those symptoms as not bad or good, whether or not they fit a certain situation? So if they don't fit well at the grocery store, that's something to be Considering and then make sure that maybe you work on lowering the the uh, severity of that symptom when you're in the grocery store or when you're coming home to see your family. And what if it's really helpful when all of a sudden you're in a situation with a storm or you're in a situation with a car accident? Then it's a superpower. So we we really want to think about less judgment. And understanding why it's important to put everything in context of where you are now versus where you've been. The other thing I would love to say is, why is it that I would be the better expert for you in treating your PTSD when, in fact, you're the one that has it? So... I can't tell you how your clothes fit and how they feel. I can't tell you to wear a size 10 when a size 12 feels better. And you're the leader of your well-being. You're the one that gets to know what works and what doesn't work. The only requirement of being the leader of yourself is wanting to get better, wanting to be crazy well. Wanting to be more self-aware. So if you have the situational awareness, now we need the self-awareness. And that would be not beating yourself up, not denying that you have some issues, not denying that some bad shit happened to you. That would be wanting to know and then being curious about what you can do to lessen any symptom that gets in your way 
from severe down to mild to moderate, that you are helping yourself. You are the leader of your well-being. You're the leader of your health. And I, I, I want to say this with, with tremendous love and support. I work with veterans because you men and women make me a better person. I, I've noticed and I've experienced where you are want to know people. Like you want to know. And I'm sure there are some that just want to hear somebody say something and then they just take it as an order. I get that that's part of the culture. That's not my experience when you get out. When you get out, my experience is that you don't necessarily want to be told what to do, how to do it, when to do it. That you want to find out for yourself now if that's a good order, if that's going to help put you in order if that's going to help order your life. So I would love to suggest that you find that curiosity again and you address your own know-it-allism and find out if you can direct, create, accept any kind of wellness for yourself, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, and financially. And do that forever. Like that's just part of your living now. Uh, I've noticed that one of the things I do with my grandson now, and I didn't do as much with my daughter because I was still having to know, uh, feeling I had to know, is he'll ask me something. I'll go, you know, I don't know. Let's go find out. Let's go explore. Let's go find out what's right for you because I don't know if that's right for you. And, uh, And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, in a lot of dangerous ways. But certainly you learn how to make better decisions for yourself and for your well-being when you try it out. I just can't tell you what wellness and health is going to feel like inside of you. You get to do that. I know that there's a a plan that and uh, most of the military makes uh, plans before they go on a mission. They try to look at every possible thing that could happen and make contingencies for if the plan doesn't work, what's the next plan? What's the next plan? I think that's a great superpower as well. I also know that many times in the men and women who have been in combat have said this to me, that even plan C, D, E, and F was not going to happen. So then those men and women that were in the situation, they got to decide what was the best course of action. And I want to say that that's the superpower. Planning is great. Uh, Knowing your equipment, knowing your body, knowing your mind, knowing your feelings, knowing what the situation that you've been in before, that's all knowing. Being open to something that you don't know that much about at this moment is also a superpower. Because once you admit that, you know, I'm not quite sure what I need to do to help myself be more patient, I'm going to go try some things. That's the superpower. The superpower is wanting to know and admitting you don't know. All those things that we take for granted, like lights and, you know, satellites and and everything for our phones and everything for our lives, that was because someone said to themselves, I don't know 
whether or not this is a good idea. I think it's a better idea instead of having, you know, live flames in our house that can burn our house down, that maybe there's a way we can capture light in a safer way. <laughs> I mean, that's all part of those disruptors, those I don't know people who want to find something and want to know. And I'm going to challenge my clinicians, my co-workers to start living again in the, I don't know. I don't know that your diagnosis is even that relative to your well-being, that yours isn't going to be the same as somebody else's, and I can't treat you the same. So these shortcuts of diagnoses and symptoms and treating the symptoms, I'm very, very a little anxious to say the least about believing that we know and then we won't be able to try something different and something individualized, something that will work for you, that you're willing, that you're willing to be the team leader, that you're willing to continue to practice on a regular basis, that you're willing to say, you know what? I noticed that that didn't work what we tried, but this really worked this week. Who thought that this would work? And you get to come back and tell us what's working for you, with you. So for all of you that are part of the know-it-allism crew, I, I want to just say it's difficult. It's very hard to give up. It's hard to live in the I don't know. Um, there is a wonderful practice. Um, it's called Buddhism. And Buddhism is not a religion. It's a practice. And it's uh, always asking us to live in the I don't know. And like I said, it's, it's from mild, moderate to severe. So remember that you get to decide where you want your life practices to be. You get to decide whether a symptom is actually a superpower sometimes, and it depends on the context and the place. So part of the be crazy well is being a bit of a disruptor and being crazy well means you get to decide what being is, what crazy is and what well is on your terms. All right. Thanks so much for joining me. This is Susie Landolfi. Our, our theme song is by Calvin Love. It's called Be Your Best Self. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to say, be your best crazy self. That might be good. I know he's got a little bit of that in him too. He's got some wonderful craziness that very creative. So uh, check him out, Calvin Love. I want to thank Coming Home Well. If you haven't looked at all the podcasts that they have, it's remarkable. So Cindy Thompson has been putting these uh, podcasts together under the organization Coming Home Well and check them all out. I don't even know all the names of everybody yet because I keep adding them, but I'm so grateful to be part of their family, their tribe, their team and check them all out. They, they are just fabulous people who I would like to say, and I'm proud of that they're they live in the I don't know. They are wonderful people that are the disruptors that are helping us find like newer, better, more individualized answers to all of our well-being. All right, everybody, have a great week and be crazy well.
You've been feeling lust, but you just call it love. Love is what you give, but lust is mistrust. <laughs>